This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 644, Comic Talk. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 644. It's our Comic Talk episode. So this is a, this is a really freewheeling, kind of not really sure what's going to come up the come off the top of my head kind of episode. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about. So I had an interesting experience. So recently, um, I was like, you know what? I, I'm trying to expose my son to more comics. I, I buy him a little Scrooge comics he likes to flip through, and I usually get him the little trades. I buy him a Sonic the Hedgehog. So every month, he's really excited to get the new numbered, what, numbered issue every single just gave mission number 12 and he was like oh my god number 12 uh so that's a fun thing to kind of experience on a monthly basis with him um so recently i you know i thought you know what i'll, I'll read him some you know some some classic comics uh before bedtime uh and but i wasn't sure how he would uh, necessarily like the um so i was gonna go with spider-man and i wasn't sure how he'd feel about some of the deco stuff just because it is a little bit weirder and creepier sometimes and you know his vibe he just wants you know superheroes to be superheroes um so i thought you know what maybe maybe i'll start with the the uh, epic collection for Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3 from 66 to 67, which collects Amazing Spider-Man 39 to 52, as well as Annual 3 to 4 and Not Brand Act Number 2. So I thought, you know, I'll give him a shot and see what, how, what he thinks about this. And, you know, at times I, I won't necessarily read every little bit of dialogue because anyone who's ever read a comic book from the 60s knows that there is an excessive amount of words at times. Uh, not quite Claremontian at times, but uh, it's definitely a lot of dialogue uh, at times starting to, uh, you know, kind of crowd out the art. So here and there, I, you know, may not read every every uh, you know dialogue box or narrative box but for the most part reading them all and uh, it was an interesting experiment so like the first issue in the collection is obviously Ramita's first uh, which is issue 39 uh, which you know has a pretty climactic ending because they have you know the Green Goblin uh, you know uh, kidnaps Spider-Man and discovers that you know he knows that he's Peter now so he attacks him as Peter Parker uh, knowing that he's P- uh, Spider-Man because of what he's done earlier in the issue and then at the end of the issue he uh, unmasks himself uh, so with Zach, I actually read it to him. Now, I don't know if he remembers, but like I feel like I started showing him maybe when he was like two or three, the Amazing Spider-Man series from '94. Uh, uh, so I love that show. I grew up on it. I mean, I, I guess I was 11 when it started, so I didn't really grow up on it, but it feels like I did, and I was old enough to really appreciate it and love it. And I loved every every episode of that. What 65 episodes or something? I love them all. Uh, it was a great show. I really enjoyed it. Anyways, in that show, there's an episode called Turning Point. Um, where we do have Spider-Man getting unmasked, uh, so to speak, in front of Norman. Norman finds out who, who Spider-Man is, and then there's a, a really great dinner party that's really tense and uh, all about him kind of knowing, but, you know, playing with Peter and kind of messing with him. To be like, I'm going to reveal your secret, and it's really good. And I don't know if my son remembered watching it, uh, so we were reading through this, and it was like, oh, it's all about the Green Goblin, and when, you know, Green Goblin finds out that, who, that Peter is Spider-Man, he definitely was like, oh no, like, you know, which 
I really appreciated and love that he kind of had that reaction to it. And the back half of this issue where Peter and the Green Goblin are fighting, it's pretty good art and it's great, you know, storytelling. And it's really action packed. And it's one thing about um, when you read most things by Stanley in this era is that there is an exclamation mark on almost every sentence. And so if you if you read every every dialogue box with the uh, with that you know, that sense of emphasis, emphasis given by the exclamation point. First of all, you start to wear your voice pretty quickly, but also it adds a, a really good sense of excitement and, and of adventure. So he really liked it. And then we got to the end of the issue and he unmasked Norman and he's like, oh no, that's, that's Harry's dad. And I'm like, that's exactly the type of reaction I wanted. Like, he's five years old. I don't always know exactly how much he's really understanding about what I'm reading or that he's seeing. And so it's nice to have kind of some sort of uh, touch point where he's like, oh no, I, I do understand this. I do get this. Um, so we, I think we read the what the first two or three issues in this volume. So he's enjoying it. He liked the Green Goblin. He liked the Rhino. Anyways, so that was cool. I was really glad he liked it. Anyways, so one day, I, I think a day or two ago, uh, he wasn't feeling very well. He's been sick the last few days with the bad fever. So I was like, Zach, do you want to read something just while you're kind of lying in bed? Which, again, if you're anyone who knows my son, which is probably no one watch, listening, probably, but uh, which is sad. Uh, my son is a very rambunctious, high-energy kid. Uh, he always has been. Um, so even when he was, the minute he was born, uh, they usually uh, swaddle up any baby and they have everything kind of wrapped in. They can't move. And most babies love it. They love feeling like they're all kind of pressurized and just like they felt in the womb, right? Well, my son, no. He was just flailing his arms the minute he was born. He was just like, no, I don't want swaddling. I want to move around. I want to have freedom. Anyways, he's always high energy. So the fact that he was sick for a few days of the fever and, you know, not moving was a big deal. So I gave him, you know, this collection again. He's like, yeah, okay. And then I thought of something, and I was like, well, what about this? And so I don't have necessarily a large collection digitally, but I do have the first five collections of Amazing Spider-Man in Masterworks on digital. Uh, I could have bought more, and I should have on the big year-end sale, but I didn't because I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I have the Epic collections. Do I really need to, you know, read it digitally? So I give it to my son, and he's flipping through it, and he loves it. It's so much easier. And he's like, I like this more. I like this more. I'm like, what? You like this more than a paper collection? He's like, yeah, this is easier. And I'm like, oh, my God. You are you are all that's wrong with the comic industry. <laughs> the fact that we're you know we're moving toward like I buy things digitally. Don't get me wrong, but if you could say, hey Adam, you could read this digitally or, or in print, I would prefer it in print. There's just something about the tactile function, and again, I guess all these old memories of, of reading comics when I was a kid. But I obviously understand that there's something really attractive to the fact that on a tablet you can put thousands of comics on it and go, whereas I could not bring thousands of comics on the go with me. Like um, a friend of the show, Eric Anthony from the Cave of Solitude podcast, was recently on vacation and you know he brought a, a few trades with him that we went back and forth on what he should bring. But uh, you know, in terms of being able to read kind of at, at the beach type of thing, but he was going to load up his iPad too um, or his tablet so that he could read a lot of stuff kind of easily without having to bring tons of stuff. And you know, ten years ago that was not an option. Like, 10 years ago, I remember, I guess maybe they first started having digital comics. I don't remember. But I feel like it wasn't a big thing, and you didn't really have a good device to read it on. Like, you really didn't want to read comics on your iPod. Uh, so it wasn't, wasn't as big a, a market. It wasn't really a place to do these things with. Like, I remember it was a huge deal to me what collections I brought with me. And now being able to just kind of bring a bunch of digital collections and enjoy them is a lot, you know, a lot more fun in a lot of ways. Anyway, so it's interesting that my son was kind of having that reaction. That's kind of the point of this whole long rambling story was the idea that, you know, 
that newer generation isn't going to have that connection to the older, you know, models. And having, for me, having a collection, having to be able to have, you know, the original Stanley and John Romita Jr., sorry, Senior, I should say, Amazing Spider-Man collection and being able to read all these issues in my hands is really exciting. And it's not quite the same on the tablet. And it just, for me, especially on these issues, there's just something about that, you know, having it uh, in your hands, um, which yeah, he doesn't have that feeling. So then he, he was kind of looking at other things I had on my iPad or, and then he saw that I had, I guess, the, the young Marvel stuff. Anyway, so I got him like, I can go get these issues for you. I have it in a book downstairs. He's like, no, this is fine. And he's just like, you know, leaping through the pages. And, and then I was classic parent move. I'm like, oh man, he's not going to be able to buy something, is he? I'm like, no, no, he'll have to sign in. I don't have it like set so he could just buy things. But thankfully at the end of each issue, it's like, you know, do you want to read on? And he doesn't really know how to read, but he's understanding the pages and the, the pictures and everything. And so he was like, okay, this, and I'm like, well, this is read. So if you get to the end of an issue, just hit this and you'll go on to the next. So he had a pretty good, good experience with that. But it definitely made me challenge certain preconceived notions of how I thought that he would enjoy comic book content. It makes me all of them sadder that I have you know, a basement full of stuff that he was not going to want to touch when I could just hand him an iPad and he would be just as happy. Uh, and I got, obviously that's the way we're going. And to be honest, I mean, if I could trade in my comics or basically if they ever said like, oh, all those books that you have, those thousands of books in your basement, you can get a free digital code for everything. I would th- like that would be really awesome. And then I would totally just go digital. I, even though I would miss the print, uh, I wouldn't miss the fact that it no longer had a footprint in my house. Uh, being able to just download things is so much easier. But having to rebuy everything that I've bought over the course of the last 25 years is not as an attractive a, a thing. Um, and I, one thing I, I miss is that you know the comicology sales used to be much more like though everything's two dollars or you know two ninety nine or whatever. And now it's often even on sales it's still like five ninety nine six ninety nine. And you know it's still a good deal but when you're used to better deals it's hard to get on board it's you know if if you've never read a comic before and you come and you buy a comic and it's like you know 3.99 and then then it goes up to 4.99 you're going to be really wistful for those 3.99 days however for someone who remembers when it was 2.99 that's still a lot you know it's it's just one of those context things that the context makes me makes it difficult for me to enjoy what is still technically a deal just not as good a deal as i used to get and therefore now i'm a curmudgeon and having a problem with it which is i understand quite dumb uh, another thing I wanted to quickly chat about is I was in my basement thinking about you know things that my son might like at some point, and I was like, I don't know how Ultimate Spider-Man would play for him because it's of a certain time and it was a certain type of storytelling in comics, which in terms of the Bendis dialogue, like he was very revolutionary for its time and so different, but you know, it, it, would it work as well now given the context? And then as I'm looking at, so I have the ultimate Spider-Man complete collection by one and someday I'll get the rest. I don't know when, uh, I also have next to it, the, uh, the ultimates complete collection or ultimates ultimate collection, which is the dumbest name for a collection ever. Uh, and this one specifically for the first volume of the ultimates. And it really got me thinking about like, how does this play in a post, you know, MCU world where, you know, this was them trying to kind of say, this is a new world. This is something different. Uh, the Avengers were not necessarily the best property. Um, this is this, they wouldn't even call it the Avengers. It was called the Ultimates, not called the Ultimate Avengers, at least not initially. And it was very much a, you know, a very different idea. And if you look at the Avengers comics at the time, you understand kind of why they were doing that because 
they weren't the top selling comics. Like Avengers had fallen off. Like you, as much as I love the Busick Perez years, right after that, it was not the greatest period. It was kind of a weird transitional period. You had Jeff Johns before he became Jeff Johns, he was writing a you know a few different issues of Avengers, and some of it was good, like with the Red Zone, etc. Some of it I don't like as much. You had Scott Collins, who for me was a very acquired taste, and not, I love Scott Collins. I trust me. However, seeing him on Avengers for some reason never worked for me. I hated his rendition of Hawkeye. I came from loving Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts, and that was my my biggest interaction with the Hawkeye when I first got into comics. Is I saw him in Avengers number four and Avengers number three, uh, five, and or actually is it Avengers four? He left the team, uh, or no? I guess he was on both the team anyway. But anyways, I remember reading those issues, but especially Avengers four, and then I read about him in Thunderbolts, like that he was you know leaving the team and going to be on the Thunderbolts, but I wasn't buying Avengers at the time, and I got into Thunderbolts probably in the mid-30s, and I really loved that series. But I specifically loved how Hawkeye was written. And then it's very difficult for me to read any version of Hawkeye that's not by Music and and Nicieza because it feels like they don't get them. Um, And as much as I like what Fraction did, to his world, it's not the Hawkeye I fell in love with either. Like, and that's why, like, I in my recent reviews episodes when I was talking about Old Man Hawkeye, I was talking about how it felt like a book that was balancing two different versions of a character, uh, the fraction version of the character that previously that has become the norm, but technically didn't exist when Old Man Logan was first written, which was based on having the you know, kind of the the Hawkeye that used to exist in the Marvel universe, and so that series had to kind of balance you know people's expectations of a character that had wildly changed. It's kind of like with with Iron Man, like Iron Man is just you know he's become you know the Tony Stark character that is played by Robert Downey Jr. But he wasn't always that way. And you have books like Invincible Iron Man in the late 2000s, which was kind of you know in the period when you had Robert Downey taking over the role, but it hadn't quite made it completely his own yet. Or at least we didn't know how big it was going to be, and they hadn't started modifying the character. The character still had his kind of pre-Downey. Uh, sensibilities and now I feel like they're less and less there he's much more of a comedic character in a lot of ways than he ever would have been previously like if you look at any any of the Iron Man stories done before Robert Downey Jr. took over the role monumentally different and we'll never go back to that in theory because you know the the movie version of the character was so monumental and so impactful in changing that character and bringing it up to an A-list level. It just means that you're never going to see that old version of the character. So going back to something like Ultimates, where they basically said, okay, like, let's do you know the Avengers in the real world, um, whereas like now that you've had movie Avengers and it doesn't feel like it needs to have the grit that this series felt like it needed to have in order to take place in the real world. Um, there's, I mean... And I still enjoy it. Uh, don't get me wrong; like it's not a bad book by any means. It's just it's very cynical, uh, and de- definitely of the era. And uh, it, it's just a very intriguing way of writing the characters. The the um, visuals are obviously very different, and it was definitely in that kind of matrixy world, and feeling like everyone's kind of wearing—not everyone, but some of them—are kind of wearing the leather. And uh, this is you know this is what. Uh, a realistic version of the Avengers would be. This is what an Avengers movie would and should be. Now, obviously, we ended up getting an Avengers movie which is a lot lighter than this and not nearly as pessimistic. Uh, it has character. I mean, at times, these versions of the Avengers are downright unlikable. Um, some of them more likable.
likable than others. I would say that Captain America, for the most part, is still likable. Uh, but, you know, some of these characters are downright detestable. I mean, the Iron Man is much more of an alcoholic than it was ever really written as being in the mainstream Marvel Universe in, in some ways. Um, partially because you could do more in the 2000s when you don't have the comics code than when you're in the 80s or late 70s. Uh, the level of violence is obviously very different here. It just feels different. Uh, it's not like Hawkeye wasn't a character who could have been violent at any times, but it was always kind of played up as, you know, comic booky. But here, obviously very different. Now, Brian Hitch is part of what makes this series so different because it feels real. It, the characters have much more realism to them um, in terms of their visuals. Uh, but again, they do some dark shit. Um, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And like I loved it when it came out and I still like it. And I think it's very extremely important for its footprint in terms of what it meant and what it did. But, you know, you have the first five issues and it's all about getting to the point where they're fighting the Hulk and they're not even fighting, you know, an actual villain at that point. They're just fighting the Hulk and Avengers, uh, sorry, uh, Ultimates 2 obviously does a lot more to kind of rip things apart, but, I, and I still like this quite a lot, but it's just crazy to see the decisions that had to be made and uh, again, it, it's a fun and enjoyable book but I don't know if it works as well anymore um, personally because, again we, we, we have actual Avengers movie. We've seen, you know, the characters exist in a different space than they did at the time. And, uh, you know, and, and they, the movies have shown that you can use it, you make a character like Captain America and his optimism work in a way that isn't necessarily hokey. And you can get people to buy into it and feel good about it. And this, again, this, this Ultimates is much more pessimistic than that. Um, even its version of, of Thor was, again, not necessarily saying, is he actually, you know, the God of Thunder or is he just crazy? Like, not really allowing, you know, going that, that full mile to accept the outlandishness of what superheroes are. And then you have on screen them accepting that exact outlandishness, and which at the time must have seemed impossible. I mean, I never thought I'd get an Avengers movie that looked like an Avengers movie. I, I mean, the fact that we got Infinity War last year and it felt like you saw all these different comic characters actually on screen together and it felt like it worked and you had so much going on. Like, that's just a testament to where we are, where, you know, in 2004, uh, when Ultimates, I, I can't even remember exactly what year Ultimates is from, but it just would have seemed impossible to ever be able to get anything like that. So I, I'm curious, like, as much as it's a book on my shelf because I really enjoyed it, I don't know if it has the same replayability for me anymore. Um, I remember when I first started getting a few omnibuses, being really bummed out. I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger and get. Actually, there was two omnibuses I really was upset about. One was that I didn't get the Ultimates and Ultimates Two, and one being omnibus, and the other one was I didn't get Astonishing X Men uh, by Joss Whedon in omnibus. Uh, now I would say my my regret is really just about uh, Astonishing X Men because I think that has survived well and has actually aged better. Uh, I think like some a book like The Ultimates to be has not aged as well as I would like, and I'm trying to figure out why. And uh, part of it's also the name dropping. Like name dropping gets really old five minutes after it happens, and they did a lot of that. Um, you know, and again, it just feels like it take, took place in a, a different world. Not that the world isn't cynical now, obviously, but I just felt like it felt like in a world where we thought that the the Ultimates couldn't or the Avengers couldn't exist, um, or they, they wouldn't be what we're used to seeing. Like you know, the way that the Hawkeye here and Black Widow much more darker than what we actually got in the actual comic, uh, sorry, movies, which, you know, still basically make them as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents working together, but very different feeling. Um, the artwork, again, by Hitch is very cinematic and definitely sends a, sends a good visual tone. Obviously, the, the biggest thing that, you know, Ultimates did for the 
you know, Marvel Universe or really the MCU, uh, is that it created the idea of uh, Nick Fury looking like Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and that's obviously ended up being a huge deal and really created, you know, part of what, not, I wouldn't say the spine of the MCU, but at the beginning definitely helped led to people being very excited that if you had Nick Fury, if you had S.H.I.E.L.D., if you had these things that, you know, you could do more than just have an Iron Man movie and that maybe you could have a, co- a connected universe, which up until then, you know, was you know, a pipe dream. It was something that, the type of thing that fans would have wished for and hoped for. Uh, it's still funny to me that, you know, we finally got a Justice League movie and it felt like no one cared when it happened. Uh, whereas when you had the Avengers finally get together, it felt like this, you know, monumental thing. And maybe it's just because one came first and then by the time you, you know, got the second one, you're like, yeah, well, I've, I've seen this before and I'm less excited now. Which is hard to tell. Uh, so I guess that's that, that's for the most part is going to be my comic talk episode today. So thank you for joining me for my ramblings as I talk about you know what my what my son would like to read and how he would like to read it and what kind of method and um, format he prefers and also my, what what I feel about Ultimates. Uh, you know this, this many years after it came out, I, I loved it when it came out. I mean the Ultimate Universe was so special when it first started because it definitely felt like you're at the ground floor of something new and exciting. And, uh, you know, obviously you had the cardstock covers and then later they were kind of more of a foil thing. Uh, it was just, it was just exciting. And now I look back and I'm like, it's like ultimate Spider-Man is a good example of one where at the time it felt exciting. You're building this new mythology, but you know, a lot of those stories, you know, there's a lot of padding or a lot of kind of build up, and you're not necessarily getting a great climax or like if you look at you know like with my son going through you know old issues of amazing spider-man oh this is the issue where this happens this is the issue where that happens and i have a very big difficulty doing that with ultimate spider-man i'm like what happens in this issue i know in somewhere in these six issues this happens but who knows which issue that actually takes place in like it just felt like when the decompression really started it got worse and worse and i think a book like that had so much soul to it because you had Bagley at artwork. You had, you know, Bendis really telling a, a good emotional story about this kid and this character. And at times you almost didn't care that he was Spider-Man, but he still cared that he was Spider-Man. He still wanted to see Spider-Man. And we didn't see that balance was never that great in that book compared to something like, you know, the, the classic Spider-Man issues of yore are usually there was a much better balance. And when you lost that balance, it was harder to retain interest. And, you know, remember what even happened in an issue, which is kind of crazy that that would ever be a problem. Whereas I think with a book like Ultimate X-Men at the same time had a better feeling of, well, this is, this is what this arc was about. This is what this issue is about. Like, and that one, you know, to be fair, has a whole team to deal with in terms of characterization. So it was, you know, not as hard to, uh, you know, you have many different things happening for different characters as opposed to stringing things along for one main character. Anyways, thank you for joining me for this episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. We have some good interview episodes coming up soon, so make sure to keep your eyes peeled, and those will be coming out uh, within, actually, one of them will be episode, I guess, what, 646, and one of them will be episode 648. Uh, So some good stuff coming up, and uh, thanks for joining. Bye-bye.